Last week on VSB marked an end of a chapter, an end of an era. Damon Young, my partner in Wright, the other half of hashtag them VSB boys, resigned from VerySmartBrothers.com, the website that, along with Liz Burr, we built in 2008. 13 years later, it is now myself, Panama Jackson, the last man standing at Very Smart Brothers. And it was an interesting week for both of us. Damon wrote a piece on Friday, essentially his farewell post, where he talked about why he's leaving, what he plans to do in the future, where he plans to take his own career. It was an ode of sorts to the time that we've spent together at VSB. And no doubt, we're still friends. We're always going to be friends. We're always going to be boys. That's never going to change. But professionally, in the same space, things are going to be different. On Monday, I wrote a piece talking about what VSB will look like going forward, the new VSB, so to speak. And and that remains to be seen. It's going to happen over time. It's not an overnight thing. But anyway... I thought one of the smartest things that I could do, being a VSB and all, was have Damon come on this podcast so that he and I could talk about the change, talk about him leaving, talk about what I plan to do going forward. And, well, that's not exactly what happened. As every single conversation between Damon and I tends to happen, we get on the phone or whatever, we end up talking about a million other things, and then we get to the point of what we're we're there for, and then we go talk about a million other things again. And that's exactly what happened here. This conversation started with uh, white teen movies morphed into hip-hop and all kinds of stuff. And in the middle, we talked about VSB, too. This is very par the course for what we do and what have, we have always done at VSB and how he and I interact. So I decided to do this intro just to let you know because it's going to open up and you're going to be wondering where the hell is all the VSB talk. And it happens, but it kind of it goes in and out. You know what I mean? So be prepared for that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sleepwalking. Panama, out. The very <laughs> smart brothers. Panama, hi. It's Oprah Winfrey. Calling to tell you, I don't know you, but I love you. This podcast is fantastic. Every nigga is a star. Every nigga is a star. Pretty in Pink tonight. Never okay. seen it. Yeah, I'm doing some research on teen movies for the teen book, for the YA book that I'm writing. So I, I watched The Breakfast Club the other day. I watched this. I, I never seen it before. I never the seen Breakfast, Breakfast Club, Club. Is a remarkably not as interesting movie to me as it's <laughs> built to be. I'd be very curious what you think about that. Well, it's. I mean, it's. It's one of the movies like The Godfather, where if you've seen all the mob movies that have come out since The Godfather, and then you come out and watch The Godfather, like, I don't see what the big deal is. But, you know, considering it was the first and, and whatever, or like Citizen Kane or some shit like that. Like, I, I've never seen Citizen Kane. 
that I would imagine that I probably wouldn't be as blown away with it as niggas were in like 1950 or, or, or whenever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I think the breakfast club is, you know, one of them. It's like Bob Cousy. Watch Bob Cousy handle right now. It's like, yeah, this four year old can do it's this. It's funny shit. you say that. It's too white. <laughs> That's what it is. It's too suburban white. <laughs> Those characters. I went to a, a predominantly white high school and I don't know anybody like that because I didn't have to. <laughs> Mm-hmm. there was lots of other people to get to know and dislike. Those people stayed off to themselves. And I was in like the drama club and stuff like that. I was with those people. And Bender is just like his, his version of menacing is so lame that it's hard to believe that anybody's truly, you know, afraid of him or whatever. So yeah, his, his whole steez was just make eye contact. That that was it. <laughs> That is a whole <laughs> just make eye contact and that that should have that should have communicated that he was the thug, that he just looks at people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody in that movie sucked. Except for the principal, who I found entertaining. I found him to be entertaining, but I was annoyed by everybody's character. I hated the sandwiches. I hated the guitar scene and the, the Emilio Estevez. I hated his whole wrestler steez i hated mm-hmm. everything about that movie funny thing about that movie too is like you watch it so when was like when was the last time you've seen it um probably a couple of years ago the transitions are crazy in that movie like you'll have one scene where they're just hanging out in the room and then the next scene they're like crawling through the the ceiling like how did y'all get from A to B, or did I miss something? And then, and then the very next scene, they'll all be smoking weed somewhere. It's like there, there's no transition, no conversation. You're just cutting from just one scene to the next with no, no type of segue or nothing in between. So it, that that was a little jarring. Like I kept, it was one of the things where the first couple times that happened, I thought that maybe the tape, like the video, skipped out, and then <laughs> that just that happened like four more times. Like oh, that's just. That's just how we doing it. That's just how John Hughes wanted to do it. Yeah. Although, so wait, or uh, are you also looking at black teen movies? Like, yeah. Or like, yeah, does Bring watch. It On count as a black teen movie, or is that just a teen movie? Probably, mm, probably just a teen movie. I'm going to watch House Party again. Um, Juice? Does Juice work for, I, <laughs> for these purposes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess Menace, too. They're all yeah, teenagers. Man, boys in the hood, they're all teenagers. <laughs> Black teen movies are a little bit different in the <laughs> that's, that's, that's a that's a that's a BSB piece, right? That there. is a BSB piece. Like <laughs> Black teen movies have a little bit of a different bend than the uh, than yeah. white teen movies do. I mean, really all the all the every uh, most of the iconic Black movies you can think of, you know, are movies that are predominantly teens. I mean, New Jews, Jersey Drive menace boys in the hood people die a lot in black teen movies uh above the rim um damn yeah he got above game Houston high school yeah he got game um yeah do the right thing do the right thing all of them are supposed to be like 19 yeah hanging out in brooklyn are. like 18 19 years old you know doing all that shit in the street damn that's crazy when you think about it most of the yeah, most black teen movies really are. Uh, I'm trying to think what what's a fun one. I mean, you got shit like The Wood and you know, Roll. Yeah, bounce. but they. You, okay, 
All right, Roll Bounce is definitely a, a teen movie, coming of age story. I guess that's what it is. Like black teen movies tend to be coming of age stories. There's lessons. Like there's no like can't hardly wait. I love that movie. One of my favorite movies, teen movie. There's no lesson in can't hardly wait for real outside of go, you know, go for broke and, you know, finally speak up to the girl that you've been wanting to talk to mm. for 4 years. Roll Bounce. Dope. dope qualified as okay. dope. Dope is a teen movie. movie. Yeah, but they're moving cryptocurrency and drugs and <laughs> See, it's the movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's yeah, that's okay. So there are some. They just don't have the same carefree, you know, slice of life as uh as white teen movies do. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Well, that that's interesting research. You get to watch all these fun loving white films and then juice to compare black life versus <laughs> versus white teen life <laughs> or shit like kid. well there's movies like kids too which is like the the bridge I guess yeah there's okay. a movie I watched that Tanya told me about um, on Netflix it's called The Half of It okay. it's actually it's actually pretty good it's like this it's a it's like this queer love story um, and it's you know it's a take on Cyrano de Bergerac where the girl is like feeding lines to the boy who 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 likes this one girl so she's like texting him and telling him what to say and writing him letters to give to the girl but then she falls in love with the girl too and then okay. that just becomes a becomes a whole thing but that 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 was a good it was a good little movie okay. called the half of it all right i will i will potentially give that one a look i'm, I'm currently wading my way through uh hours of bad black moviness uh, on Amazon Prime, which is my favorite place to go to when I'm looking for black movies that way more people have seen than I give credit for. Because every time I write some type of Facebook post about one of these movies, tons of people have seen these things. And I'm like, why would you watch this? Doing movie? the same thing you are. They're just going through Netflix and it's like, OK, I haven't seen this and it's black. Oh, this is starring a guy from Barbershop 3. Let me <laughs> let me, you know, put this on. Oh shit! This is is that is that Antoine Walker and Paul Pierce? Okay, let me watch this movie with Paul Pierce in it. <laughs> That's what happened to me today. I was sitting here and I started to watch. I watched a movie that was basically like a a child of set it off. Uh-huh. So there's a movie about some women in Houston who were like, you know, committing robberies and selling drugs. Like they're the respected crew in Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones running everything. And it spun off from there into me watching this other movie turned out, which was absolutely terrible because I was trying to find another movie as well produced as, damn, what is the name of this movie? It's called, oh, the, the, the movie is called Candy. It was named Candy. Okay. Um, more entertaining than I thought. Random famous people show up. Scarface is in it. Bun B is in it. Um, AJ Johnson. Not the, not, what is his name? AJ? The comedian. I think his name yeah. is AJ. Yeah. yeah. He's in it. I think it's AJ Johnson. Yeah. Yeah comedian aj johnson is in it you know random people i recognize and then either way so i just i started those that's that's what i weighed my way through when i'm looking at movies but i should probably maybe i'll go watch 16 candles again or something like that and see remind myself how annoyed i am at 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 that oeuvre oeuvre i've been watching this movie called uh or the show mayor of eastland that's on hbo it's starring like kate blanchett where she's okay. a detective, and Eastland is uh, um, the suburb of Philadelphia. And it's a murder mystery. It's, it's actually pretty good. I like Kate Blanchett. 
Yeah, it's only it's I think it's only a seven episode series and and they're up to episode three aired last night. So it's um it's it's one of those shows where it doesn't a lot of shows take a while to get going. This gets going from episode one, minute one, you're already like in it. Like your honor. Yeah, yeah, but less but but less niggas dying. <laughs> right. Less black pain and suffering. Yeah, less <laughs> yeah man that that was the worst that was the probably the worst show that i've ever seen because considering all the people <laughs> all the people that you know all the like the emmy winning oscar winning people connected to this shit all like the prestige you know certain shows are trying to be like you know what this is a show that's gonna that's created to win shit right like this is this, this is and that was one of those types of shows like we're creating this so we could get honors and get awards we got all these people in it got all these heavy themes we're in new orleans which is a city that you know just adds a lot of character and context to whatever and that show was terrible wait do you think it was only terrible because of how it ended the payoff wasn't worth it because i think yes, watching yes. it it's, it's a show it's, it's the sort of show where because where the ending has that the ending right. you know colors everything that happened be- before it it you know, does. it's not like like Game of Thrones had a shitty ending, but I still, you know, that that still was a great series or a great you know show or whatever. But but this was all about the ending and how, all about how this was going to end up resolved. And because of the resolution was so fucked up, um, that just made the whole show. It's like why did I why why we put ourselves through it because it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't. I actually stopped watching. I watched the first four or five episodes. My wife loved that show. Or she was, loved is probably a strong term. She was invested in it. And mm-hmm. I watched probably the first five episodes, and then I watched the last episode to see how it ended because I, I saw people talking about it online. But I could, at some point, I was like, I just can't watch any more of this. Like, it's, this is, <laughs> this never gets better for the black people. Like, it never, it's always, it's only getting worse. And it's really painful to watch. I'm seeing people who did nothing wrong get murdered, and I can't. My soul can't deal with that. This damn dog keeps trying to out the whole. The whole I hate the son. I want the son to die. I'm I'm only invested because I want the son to die. Spoiler alert: the son dies, but how it happens is very annoying. It's the worst. He dies in the stupidest way, and and, and again, the way he died. Like yes, I wanted him to die too, but the, but the person who killed him. If you're listening to this, I. I and you haven't seen it. And I'm sorry, I'm spoiling. I'll this put shit, spoiler but, alert yeah. in the in the notes. Yeah, he um, you know the 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 the, the a boy uh, uh like a teenager whose whole family was murdered, you know, um wrongly murdered, wrongly murdered because one of the kids was accused of killing. Anyway, this kid who was a smart kid had nothing to do with nothing ends up getting mixed up in this world, and now he's going to go to prison for the rest of his life because. Because of this shit, and, and 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 what makes it so fucked up is that the show's creators kind of thought this was like, oh, this is the result. This is this is yeah, this is poetic justice. This is this is <laughs> this is it. This is the your chickens coming home to roost. This is what's right. appro- this is karma like, for them. No, the story just, ends there. For them, the just, story ends there, right? Yeah, you're just putting another kid, another innocent black kid. Now he has a murder on his hands, and he's if he doesn't, you know. If if he doesn't die in prison, he's going to be in prison the rest of his life, right? Yeah, and he's, he's murdered someone yeah. in front of in front of what fifty witnesses. Yeah, 
Yeah, and a judge. Yeah, and a judge. <laughs> Who's at the center of this whole thing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 I only watched the finale for that reason, just to see how it ended. At some point, I completely checked out. Completely checked out of your honor. <clears throat> so Glutton. Glutton for punishment. Yeah, not, not I. But we've already gone through white teen movies and made it to Black Death. Welcome to a discussion with VSB. <laughs> so, <laughs> a typical you know, day. This is a day, day in the life. A day in the life. Very smart brothers. Which is funny. So the reason I even wanted to do this, so obviously anybody who follows VSB land, you have Friday was your last day with, uh, with the site. I guess officially with the site. We're always going to be very smart brothers. It's always going to exist. But with the site. So... You know, I wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about that because, you know, there's a couple of reasons for one. Just you wrote about it, wrote about it very well. I was very touched, very moved. I wrote about it, talked about, you know, what we're going to what I plan on doing with the site. And I'm also going to speak to some of the uh, some of the comments that I saw about changes. Like, I think people think that I'm not going to write random things about blacks, like never going to write about this terrible movie that I'm watching right now. Like I will still do stuff like that, but you know, it's just not going to be, I won't feel obligated to do it, to get something up on the site. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to try to find new ways to do it. But anyway, how you feeling? Russell Westbrook tonight has 14 points, 24 assists and 21 rebounds. Wait, what? 14 points, 24 assists and 21 rebounds. They, they just won. They beat the Pacers. Well, Go Wizards. Yeah. That's a timestamp for this episode, so everybody knows what they were talking about this. Yeah, I, that's, that's, he's, that's I mean, perfect. people were talking about how he's over the hill and he's, you know, it's a rap and like, I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll even keep it 100, you know, when he was traded for Wall, I just thought it was like, okay, so you're just trading one used to be athletic, over the hill, past their prime, 6'4 point guard for another one. Like, why, why the fuck would either team do this? But, you know, I, I think that that was my mistake putting Wall on the same level as Westbrook. When Westbrook has, you know, and, and I, I, you know, John Wall is great and, you know, I, I love John Wall, but Westbrook is a force of nature. Dude, he's and, a one of one. You know, he, yeah, he's a, he's a one of one. You know, there's never, I have never seen a player, like, doesn't mean he's the best, but I've never seen a player like him. He is one of the most unique players in NBA history. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, putting up these stat lines, I mean, it's, it's, and he's, I mean, and he's what, 33, 34 still attacking the rim. Like, like it owes him money. Right. Explosive. Yeah. It's anyway. That's the thing that makes him so special. The amount of energy that he exerts night in, yes. night out. And he doesn't it doesn't get, seem he doesn't like he's tired. losing it. He doesn't get tired. Yep. He doesn't seem to get tired. It's like it's like Iverson. Iverson. Yeah, that's that what I was about to, to say. Tired. The only other athlete I've seen like that is Iverson. But Westbrook is, you know, yeah, is bigger. You know, Iverson right. is six foot one seventy. Westbrook is a tank out there just running around and not not getting tired. Yeah, you know, just yeah. That that's that's insane. But um, but yeah, okay. VSB. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah how you feeling? I feel right now. I feel a little. Um, I feel a little moisturized. Um, <laughs> took the kids to bed, 
and you know, I put had to put lotion on them after the bath. So, and I have all this extra lotion, so I just put it on my arms, I put it on my face, <laughs> all this extra cocoa butter. So I feel extremely moisturized right now. That's Plus, important. I knew I was going to be on a podcast with you, and you're always, you know, you're always sparkling and shining. So I, was I like, try to oh, glisten. I gotta. I try to glisten. I have I a gotta, regimen. I got I gotta. You know, I I I can't glisten like you do, but I gotta. You know, at least make an effort to I shine. Not that. glisten, but shine. Um, all attempts but, are appreciated, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm feeling, I mean, last week was, was really intense. Um, you know, cause I, we had both known this day was coming for, for, for a couple months now. Right. Um, but the week finally getting here and, you know, and knowing that I was going to write a thing. And and also, you know, seeing the responses to it and seeing the reaction to it and and just the the it was weird today. It was weird today when I got up, I took the kids to school, got back home and I wasn't thinking about VSB in terms of in terms of writing. I was thinking about VSB right. in terms of, you know, I knew you were writing a piece and you know, and, and whatnot. But in terms of like, okay, what am I going to write today? That is the first time that, that like a regular Monday morning where I haven't had that thought in a decade. Yeah. <laughs> really 13 wow. years where, yeah, that's, where, yeah. you know, what am I going to do for VSB this week? What am I going to do today? Just wasn't, wasn't a thing. And, you know, that, that just felt, it, it's like, you know, I'm, we're not, we're not old enough yet to have kids who go away to school or anything like that, but it almost felt like, like I'm used to taking my, my kid to school every day and then now they're, now they're in college and like, I don't have anyone to make breakfast for, <laughs> I don't have <laughs> anyone to pick up you know, they're off to college right. and doing their own thing. And I'm just like, I'm, I feel like, I felt like an empty nester. And it's like, well, you know, you see those people whose kids leave and it's like, well, we're going to do, you can go to the mall. You're going to, you're going to work out. Um, you're going to watch some TV. You're going to go out to eat breakfast. And so I felt some of that today. Um, you know, and, and there's other stuff that I'm that I'm working on, other stuff that I'm doing. So it's not like my days are just like, you know, it's not like I'm a retiree. Although that was funny, right? I went to Newcastle, <laughs> um, PA last weekend to um, my great aunt had a 95th birthday celebration, and this was my first time around people, around groups of people, and and it, since the pandemic started, so this was the first time I was around like a large group of people. And so a lot of my aunts and uncles and cousins or whatever are there. And some of them, you know, they follow me and they were on Facebook and, you know, knew about whatever. And so I walk into the banquet hall and they like make an announcement. <laughs> like, I just want everyone to acknowledge Damon Young is here. Our cousin that we are so proud of, so happy for. And he just recently announced that he's retiring from VSB, and and I remember thinking I never heard I never thought of it as retire retirement. 
It is in a sense, though. But it is. But essentially, it it, it is. I never thought, I never put it that way. Like, oh yeah, he's retiring from VSB. That this is. I have that to say, felt like like I mean, if that's the case, where's my gold watch, Panama? Where is my, my gold plaque? It's on the way. Uh, I, it's being made right now. Um, K, them damn K jewelers, man. I you know I had it. Every it's being every engraved. It's being engraved. Yeah, I gotta say, I love how much your family really is invested in in VSB. I told you this before, because <laughs> I remember. So when when you got married, I remember being there and everybody knowing who I was because of VSB and how much mm-hmm. they love it. And people, yeah, I love what you guys do and that VSB, VSB. And I was like, damn, his family really like they really are behind this VSB thing. Like you're a superstar in this in in your family. Probably have always been because of basketball too, and then you transition into this other thing that you're exceedingly good at, and the family's all on board with it. And I've like, I've, I'm like, I don't even know if my family reads VSB. I know some people do. You know, I know my sister. You know, like my sister hit me up yesterday, or one of my sisters hit me up yesterday. Like, oh no, how can you have V? How can you have very smart brothers with just one? You know, so I had to. You know, I called her, talked to her about it. I don't know if my mom reads it and stuff, but. More and more of my cousins, I find out, are, are reading the site now and stuff like that because of Facebook and whatever. But if I walk into the family, I don't know, if I walk into the family reunion, I'm not getting an announcement. There's no announcements for Panama Jackson. <laughs> There's the, it's just, hey, what up? You know, it's, it's which is, it, I don't feel a way about that. It's just an interesting observation. Like, I was really excited to see how much your family genuinely loves what we've done, what you have done with VSB and, and otherwise. We have to remember too, man, like for the first, you know, I don't know what, we started VSB in 2008. I don't think I left the house without <laughs> VSB branded apparel. You did. Until at least 2016, maybe. You had a uniform. You were <laughs> you know definitely I mean? VSB I had all out. the shirts. I had all of the stickers, you know, so you you just, I, I think that I, I, I definitely you know, associated myself with it more. And, you know, I was able to because I that's really all I had. And, you know, for for, you know, the first half of our of our existence for longer than the first half, the first seventy percent of our existence, you were had a full time job on Capitol Hill. And so you right. didn't have the same sort of you know, you didn't have the same sort of uh flexibility to be as public and to tell everybody and uh, and to wear that stuff everywhere you know, to take pictures with it and get tagged in it, you know, the same way that I did. Well, people still um, did that. But I think the difference, part of the, the interesting, like in D.C., for instance, way more people know who I am than know me because of VSB, because of throwing parties. Like, they don't mm-hmm. know why they know me. They just know they know me because of I was working in the nightclubs, managing clubs. You know, mm-hmm. like I was around, I was out on the streets and on the scene and stuff like that. So many people know who I am and have no idea why. So even if I was wearing the shirt, they would probably just thought, hey, that's a cool shirt. It wasn't associated with anything else in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's it's awesome. I love how I love how your family is uh so supportive. I mean, it's a you know, it's a it's a large, but it's a very, you know, tight knit family. So, you know, that's that's something that is a privilege that I that I've had, you know, with you know and you know, my family is part of VSB. Laura, I mean, my cousin, yeah. you know, Sarah, um, honey, is, you know, designed our book cover. 
um, designed, you know, when we redesigned the site, did that. He, she, she designed the cover of what doesn't get She designed the logo. She has the logo, the VSB logo. logo. Yep. So, you know, she, she's an integral part of, of this too. So it's, it's definitely a family affair. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So retiree status, your, your first day, not having to think about it had to be. So it was, it was different, different feeling. Is it, you know, there were a couple of times too today where I was thinking about shit. I got just something I want to write <laughs> like that did come. I forgot, I forgot what it was, I forgot what it was about, but there was something that I was like, shit, this would be good for VSB. But I just wrote that thing on Friday and, and so also how are you going to navigate that? How are you going to navigate that? Because, you know, you can't turn that part off. Now you will, you will still every so often have a piece that you're going to write on VSP. If I'm, if I'm understanding that right. Yeah. Yeah. And right. I didn't communicate that in the, in the piece, but I mean, I, you know, there, there might be times when, you know, and I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it some time, right. You right, know, some separation, but there might be a time like a month and now two months from now where, you know, there's a piece that I have in mind that VSB is the, that, that is, that is for VSB and I'll write it for VSB. Um, so that, that still is in the works, but, um, but yeah, as far as the part about not being able to write a thing, you know, not be able to react to a thing immediately, you know, the way that, that we do on VSB, I think, you know, it's, it's a muscle. It's like any other type of muscle memory. And, and I think that once you don't exercise that muscle, you know, then it goes away eventually. Like it's, it's like, I don't know, like if you learned a foreign language in, in, in high school and when you graduated from high school, you probably, you know, had some, some sort of affinity, you know, some sort of knowledge base or whatever with that language. But if you haven't spoken that language since high school, you know, it's, you don't have it anymore. Right. But if you were to pick back up and just take like a week of lessons right now today, you would get it right back like that because it's, it's still in there. And right. so I, I think that with with the um, with the writing and, and, and that sort of um, that sort of I guess call to react to a thing and thinking of an angle and thinking of a take and thinking of length and how what how I want to write something that that distinguishes what I'm saying what we're saying from you know the rest of the stuff on the internet if I am not doing that actively every day then eventually I'm going to stop having those thoughts. Hmm. Um, it's going to take a while. It will probably take a while. Eventually, that urge or whatever is just going to, it's just going to go away. Yeah, because I imagine. I mean, that's why Jay Z can't retire, right? I mean, I heard, I remember him saying at some point, like, you can't turn your mind off, right? You always, you always thinking of bars, you always thinking of lines, mm-hmm. and at some point, it's just too many damn bars and lines not to write a song. You know what I mean? So, what did you think of that? What do you think of that song? The, the sorry, not sorry. In, in college, what you're talking yeah. about. I okay. I don't care for it. In fact, I listened to it one and a half times because everybody kept talking about Nas's verse. I wasn't impressed with Nas's verse. I'm not impressed with Nas's delivery on that song. Jay also managed to bore the shit out of me. I I don't know if I missed the the constant B references. I got the one of Beyonce and the but I'm just like this is this would have been way more awesome than like 99. I think. I was bored with it. I also didn't like the fact that it was basically a watered down version of Song Cry. Um, 
Yeah, I'll never listen to the song again. Sorry, not sorry. Over it. Don't care. Yeah, I um. Underwhelming as fuck. I think is the proper term for what I feel. Now this is this is a larger conversation. I don't know if we want to have this today, but I don't want to hear rappers older than me rapping about <laughs> new shit. I just don't want to do it. Like like I'll listen to Jay Z. I'll go to Jay Z concert and he has a and he's playing his hits. Right. Right. And and okay and 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 I'm saying that, but you know, 444 wasn't. I, I actually like that album. I, I thought that that was, you know, there were some tracks there that were really well put together. Right. Um, you know, I like whenever I hear that Black Thought has a new freestyle, or whatever. I'm 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 into it a thousand percent. I'm diving right into it. Um, but for the most part, I I just, you know, unfortunately. You know, hip hop, which is which is my love, which is your love, it is just not a genre that really lends itself to age. Where after a certain while, after a certain time, you just, I just don't really, because rap is so much about presagio and 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 and, and aggression and 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 it's just like I just don't want to hear. Uh, a 50-year-old, you know, rapping about the street stuff unless they're rapping about, and unless they're repeating the songs that they made 20 right. years ago. And I also don't really want to hear raps about Target um, and raps <laughs> about, you know, what, cryptocurrency, Scarface, and day yeah, trading and all that shit. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, that's just not interesting to me. Like, the interesting thing to yeah. me is the street shit. It's a street shit, and not just a street shit, but just the witty shit, the funny shit, the the raw shit, and I just don't want to hear that from a forty five year old. It's interesting listening to them rap about things. They're look, they're obviously invested in these things. That's what their life is too. It's the life of everybody. But dedicating it to song, to verse seems unnecessary to me it's a weird flex but it's also the only thing they can probably rap about at this point mm-hmm. like what else are we going to listen to Nas rap about you know what I mean like what else does Jay-Z have to talk about when Jay-Z for all intents and purposes seems like he's living a pretty calm rich life like he doesn't sound like he's cheating right now doesn't sound like there's you know like <laughs> what is what is his muse at this point outside mm-hmm. of just his riches and the thing is He's almost too rich at this point to talk about getting new riches. Like it, now you're in the realm where this shit doesn't even it doesn't even register to most of us. Like, all right, you're doing deals. Like, who's your audience? You know, and I guess that's fine. But this particular, it's possible that they could do this over beats that I like. Like you said, 444. I actually enjoyed that album. Like there were some songs in there that I enjoyed. There's some were a little try hard, but I enjoyed it for the most part. I just hated this joint because it didn't. It sounded like none of these niggas really tried that hard. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they walked in there like we're gonna kill them because it's a Nas and Jay record, and the streets, the very nice streets that we live on, the Park <laughs> Avenues, want a Nas and Jay record where we're rapping about how rich we are and these mm-hmm. deals we do, and you know that. Sh- and I don't. And, and the verses weren't even my problem it's just the the whole shit as a that should that should that was a rough draft to me that should not have been the final version like mm-hmm. now nah, i should have recut his verses 
you know, Jay does Jay things, but Jay doing that is a whole lot of, was that Magna Carta Holy Grail? Where he was just, was that the album where he was just rapping about all the rich shit? Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like, eh, you know, like, that's cool for you. You know, and I just don't need more. You know what? I don't need more music from them is what I feel like. Honestly, if I'm just being real, I don't know that I really need more Nas or J records in my life. Like, I was way less interested in this record than I thought I would be, considering that it has two of the goats on it. And I don't give a shit. So, you, you know, it's funny, like we're talking shit about, you know, these rappers who are, you know, both of them are a few years older than us, you know, um, they're in the late 40s, early 50s, whatever. Um, and, and I think another reason why I guess their music, why, why we neither because I'm the same way where I don't really, I'm not really clamoring to listen to new shit. Like if Jay-Z released a new album today, of course, I'm going to listen yeah, to it. You listen to it, whatever. Right. But I'm not like, it's not going to be like a stop everything you're doing sort of thing the, the same way it was, you know, 20 years ago when he, when he dropped something, 25 years ago. Um, and I think that also because of their subject matter when they were younger, I, I think that this, this change, you know, this shift is such a, is such a jar, um, you know, where they go from rapping about the street shit. And, and and again, they didn't just rap about street shit, but go from rapping about street shit right. to now, you know, the Park Avenue shit, you know, instead of the, instead of the whatever. And it's, I, I, I just don't want to hear that from them. And it's funny because I'm thinking about, you know, are there any rappers who I would want to listen to at 45, at 50 and in terms of like an album? And I mean, the the obvious answer is imagine a less, imagine a more, I don't want to say more sane because that could be ableist, but just imagine a Kanye that hasn't had the last 10 years (laughs) (laughs) of his, of his, of his, of his life. Okay. Just a Kanye who's just been the same Kanye from whatever, from, from 2014 or whatever. Um, I think that's somebody who, because of his subject matter, I think yeah. would be able to age music wise and still be able to because he's more because also you know with 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 Nas and Jay Z they're two of the greatest rappers ever, but they're also rappers, whereas Nas or Kanye yeah. you know is more of an artist and I would be I would be interested again if Kanye wasn't the Kanye he is today but if he was still making music. And still making albums, I think that they would still be compelling and relevant and whatever because he just he has that. So here's my take on this. I think part of the problem with like Jay and Nas at this point is that the thing that got them the thing the reason why we know them and care so much was that these niggas were actually impressive. Like Nas Nas used to impress me with his with his verses, right? Like you listen mm-hmm. to you know, people talk about New York State of Mind as one of the greatest rap records ever because that shit is impressive. Like, you listen to it to think that this is a teenager who's writing that way, right? Yeah. Jay had impressive verses. Like, you listen to that shit and you're like, I could never do something like that, right? One of the reasons why Biggie's one of my favorite rappers of all time is because I go back and listen to shit now. Like, Kick in the Door is one of the most impressive, like, verses and flows and shit ever. I love 
that record. I can listen to it over and over again. These dudes impressed me. Common used to impress me, not necessarily with his flow, but the fact that he gave no fucks. Common would literally rap about anybody and speak his mind and say anything that was on it. He took shots at anybody and everybody. Nobody was off limits. Same thing with people like Ice Cube. Like Ice Cube spoke his mind and got it out Mm -hmm. there and said what he needed to say. These niggas do not impress me anymore. In fact, it sounds like they're trying. Like the, the the effortlessness that they used to have about the way they did things doesn't seem to exist anymore. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're, they're still good at what they do. I mean, they're still probably better than a lot of rappers, I guess. I'm not gonna say common is because common's just gotten bad. Like once common stopped taking aim at people, then he just got, I don't know. He went into his appeal to everybody bag, his Microsoft bag, and now I just he's just actually bad at rapping, in my opinion. But like I'm just not impressed by what I heard by them. Like it sounds like the only reason anybody listens to these verses is because it's Nas and Jay. If it wasn't them, we'd be like, this sucks. Yeah, and you know, you you that that's a great point to bring up is that you know, and I think about the rappers, the people who I was a big fan of when I was you know younger or whatever, and it's people who it felt like rapping was a God given gift. Yes, for them, where they could yes. do things, they could do things in the, in the, in the booth that that no one else could do, no one else on earth could do, and I think that's that's one of the reasons I think why people of our generation have a hard time getting on like the Drake train, even as we kind of respect his, his prolificness and his ability to be flexible and, 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 and fit over pretty much every sort of beat. And, and, and he, I mean, he's a, he's a legitimately good rapper. Yeah. I but think so. I mean, I, I, I really can't think of too many times where I listened to a Drake verse and I was impressed. I was like, where I was like, Holy shit. How the fuck did he think of that? He's um, got some bars though. Drake, Drake. He's has, got bars. Like, he's got bars, but I mean, in terms of like the way you might have felt when first listening to the blueprint, where you're like, "Holy, this shit just came down from heaven." <laughs> this is this is like no one else could have done this. This is some god given, predestined, serendipitous type shit that is happening right now that yeah. I'm listening to right now. Like I listened to, um, I was listening to Machiavelli album the other day and you know hell mary has one of the best first lines in hip-hop history you know i ain't a killer but don't push me revenge like the sweetest joy next game pussy but then the next line <laughs> um picture paragraphs picture wait, paragraphs did... yeah picture paragraphs i quoted wise no picture paragraphs something wise words being quoted i don't know some shit peep, like that. and then is... he said peep the weakness in the rap game and so did it's like damn, Pac. <laughs> that, that was a that was a great bar, right there. Yeah. That that and, and and again, that was the forgotten about that was the forgotten about part of his opening bars for Hail Mary. The peep the weakness in the rap game is so did. That's that again. It's simple, but it's also like holy shit. That that's some that's some genius shit. And and again, I, I think that when when I listen to Kendrick, I I think of yeah, this is some this is some genius shit right now that yeah. i'm listening to um you know um I, I feel that way about tyler sometimes you know in terms of you like are this, big is, tyler this, the is some, fan. this is some genius shit now he doesn't always produce or doesn't always have the best songs or the best albums but in terms of like holy shit this dude has a gift i would agree with that though when when you he know. when he nails it he big nails it like mm-hmm. that is it's it's there are songs that he has where i'm just like 
that is some amazing shit. Yeah. So I, I and, agree with you on that. And, you know, the people who impress me, you know, we talk about Jay, we talk about Nas, Biggie, Ghostface had me feeling like that too, where I yeah. was like, I don't, I don't even know how you came up with this shit. Um, Dre 3000, obviously, you know, um, and, and, and again, and, and those are the people that, that, that I loved. And again, I think, you know, just to reiterate your point, you know, with Jay and with Nas, they just, I am just not like moved. Well, listen, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice song. It's nice music, but I'm not, I'm not thinking, holy shit. I'll never listen to I'm that I'm not again. thinking that anymore. I, I, I listen to it and I've, <laughs> it, it's so unmoving to me that I literally have, I forgot it existed until you asked about it just now again. And <laughs> nobody on my, um, like social media feeds that I'm actively paying attention to is talking about it anymore. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's gone. Now, some of that is just the nature of social media. Now, you know, it dropped on Friday, I guess, mm-hmm. and people had the weekend to sit with it. And now they're on to the next thing, whatever that might be. But, you know, and that album as a whole is underwhelming as fuck too. Like, I, and I'm not somebody who had expectations for Khaled albums. It sounds like I expected to sound, but, I've never listened to that joint. Like, and I guess it's a bigger release because people were listening to. I saw a lot of people commenting on, mm-hmm. on, on it over the weekend. But you know, I couldn't care less. It's just I'm. I hate to be that guy, but I've definitely become that guy. Like, and this is a, this is a good question. When you are looking for something to listen to, right? So let's say you get in the car and you're trying to. Think, I want to listen to something. What's your go-to? Because I I be trying to find new shit to listen to, but you know what I always fall back to? I just throw on Midnight Marauders by Tribe Called Quest. Like, literally, when I can't think of anything else to play, that's what I play. So my fallback, my fallbacks right now are my um, my best of or my most listened to mixes. Um, you know, my 2020, my 2019, 2018. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I go back to 2016. And I'll just, I'll just, you know, the 50 songs I listened to most that year, and I'll just right. put on that playlist. And so those are, those are my go-tos right now, just listening to, to that. And, and, and it's, it's the greatest hits of, of all of my favorite songs. So, or all my favorite songs for, for a particular time. Um, so that's, that's what, you know, like the kids, because I listen to a lot of those songs while I'm driving them to school, they know certain songs is like my song. So like if, you know, my wife is, um, is listening to one of those songs, you know, Zoe will be like, Oh, that's daddy's song. Why are you listening? You're not allowed to listen to that song. Mommy, that's daddy's song. Are you up on Desmond Dennis? No. Okay. Desmond Dennis is the dude. If you remember a couple years ago, there was like the smooth R and B jam version of like baby shark. Like yeah. the dude here, that, that yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. So he has albums of kid jams <laughs> that are like Chris Brown songs about with kid shit, like clean up your, you know, clean up, clean. Like he has no, the I, jam no, I know, I know who he is. Yeah. yeah. We play his stuff all the time. Yeah, we I, listen to yes. that stuff. We my listen to kids, him all the time. Yeah. Dude, my kids love that. And it, I be wanting to hate. I'm not, no, that's not true. I don't want to hate on that shit at all, actually. In fact, I want to holler at him at some point because I need to understand, like, what, like, are these all songs that he created for other stuff? And was like, you know what? I'm just going to kill the kid game. He erased <laughs> all the verses and just re sang all these songs as kid jams. My kids love these songs. Um, 
Like one of my kids loves the ABC song. You know, he just wants to listen to it. The first thing we get in the car on the way to school or whatever, he's like, Daddy, can I listen to the ABC song? The other one wants to hear the, the, the uh, Baby Shark remix. And I'm just like, the, like my kids have deduced specific songs and sounds that they like the most, that they sing along to. Those songs are on my most played songs list at this point because over and over and over mm-hmm. again, I listen, to the, I listen to those albums. Yeah, I um. Once you said his name, I mean, I didn't recognize the name, but once you started describing him, it's like, yeah, we definitely, we definitely listen to those songs. I don't know why more people don't know him by name, by immediately by name recognition. Like for black households, this is literally the game changer for kids. You can listen to this music at home, and you get something out of it. The kids get something out of it. This should be, I mean, one of the things you talk about with like. That, that series you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I actually reached out to him, by the way. I did. I reached out to okay. him, but I haven't heard back, hopefully, because I, I was like, you know, I, I need to reach out to this brother. Like, I need to talk to him because this should be everywhere. Like, I, I actually mm. plan on, on in some way, shape, or form, whether he's a part of it or not, doing some type of discussion about his music or whatever because mm-hmm. every black parent who's trying to find something to listen to with their kids, which is a real struggle for parents, right? It's Every struggle. parent struggles with what the fuck to listen to with your kids in the car. You don't yeah. want to listen to that hip. You, you don't want to listen to Luke. You don't necessarily want to be listening to Mary Had <laughs> a Little Lamb. You won't listen, you won't listen to Luke where you're by yourself either in the car. <laughs> but you can do that, and it's really not going to, nobody's going to question your judgment as a parent if you just, if Scarred is your jam, and it's just, it's your jam. And in the morning, there's a bunch of songs that I used to listen to in the mornings and I'd be on the way to like pick up my daughter to take her to school mm-hmm. or whatever. And like Beyonce's countdown, you know, very hype songs. Uh uh Outcast, Spodiody Dopalicious. Like for some like I would just roll the windows down, turn that shit all the way up and just wake up anybody in neighborhoods mm-hmm. that I drove through. Maybe for some people, Luke Scard is on that list. But you can't listen to it with your kids in the car. Or you shouldn't yeah. anyway. I yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say you shouldn't. I've heard worse, but you shouldn't. But nobody wants to listen to these very um, seasonless Mary Had a Little Lamb either. And this takes all the, the, the best sounds of the current era mixed with your best lullabies out there and in his own versions of songs and puts it together in a jam-packed way. Like, literally... Any you could any any popular artist right now could be singing on these songs and they'd be a hit. Okay. Like I'm I'm yeah, in firm I, I, belief I, I mean, in that. I, I, I believe it. Yeah. Clean up is a particular. I enjoy that one because they my love, kids oh, get love. hype at they, clean they up love. because then they clean up. That song. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They clean up then. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 that is something I plan on addressing at some point. Um, well, but one an album that also works is uh, Beyonce's uh, latest. The, uh, the whatever black what was the name of that album the lemonade the the one she has like the movie for oh black is king very yeah, good album king. yeah black is black king. is king but that's a good album to play with the kids the it car. is a good album to play with kids yeah it's a it's a good lots lots of different different sounds um zoe will ask for beyonce something like literally ask me to play beyonce like daddy i want to listen to beyonce that's um cool. So um, that's a good one. Also, um, Hamilton. <laughs> I've definitely listened to Hamilton in the car because um, we watched it and they liked it. 
Um, so listen to the songs in the car sometimes. So that that definitely can be a go-to when driving with kids. Yeah, I put that on recently for the first time in quite some time. Like I actually stopped watching Hamilton, stopped listening to it at some point. Mm-hmm. I think I'd overdone it. And I put it back on again, and it still jams. I still enjoyed it. I watched it again. I still, I still enjoyed it the same way. Uh, still enjoy that. You mentioned just now. So one of the things that I'm going to be doing at VSB. So he spoiler alerted something. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go in depth on that. Oh my! But oh, you're fine. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna actually just bleep that part out, so nobody's gonna know what that is. <laughs> one thing that I intend to do at VSB now is create more series and like more um projects and packages of things that are like specifically black culture relevant you know this is very vsb in style very the same thing we've been doing but things that i hope are more intentional in nature about black culture you know like so there's a there's a big project that i'm working on that i very much look forward to uh, dropping on the masses when the time comes, which would be in the next several months from now. But um, yeah, that's something I plan on doing. I plan on doing. Um, I've actually done a lot more series and things on on VSB than I realize. Like you know, every February I do some kind of you know twenty eight day thing, and usually Black Music Month in February I'm doing something. But when we when we were acquired, I started out with like an HBCU series that I mm-hmm. that I curated. Um, I do a lot more of that stuff than I realize. I guess yeah, I, I mean you're good at it. you're good at it. you're good at you're good at the ideas. I mean because that that you know that's that's uh, you know that's fifty percent of it right there. You know once you have the idea, and then the execution. You know once you figure out the idea and you just figure out like the I guess the lines around that idea. You know the execution doesn't take as much. It's more at that point it's more about the follow through. But once Absolutely. you have the idea, figuring out what to write and figuring out how to write it, that that part is the the, the writing part is actually the easiest part. It's the idea, yeah. and then it's the following through for the entire however long the series is, and continuing to think of new stuff or or, or whatever, and and coming back to it every day or every week. That's that's the hard part right there. But again, that's something that you that you've been that you've been doing. You know, um, you know, I know that's something we wanted to do more of, you know, when we when we um, were acquired and um, you definitely took the lead with that, because I I don't think I think I, I think I thought of one series and that was VSB Ruins shit and only did one. <laughs> I did, did VSB Ruins them, yeah. the Wire. <laughs> no, Stringer Bell, VSB Ruins yes, Stringer, Stringer Bell. Bell. And yeah. that was it. Like, I mean, I, I have so much unfinished shit like I wrote. <laughs> I wrote an NBA preview a week into the season and I did a part one and I never did Dude, a part two. I remember hitting you up. I was like, yo, where's part two? <laughs> like, where the fuck is part I did two? Like, this? Did like, did like 15 teams. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and I only did the bad teams. Two? I didn't even do, yes, I did the bad teams. The good ones. <laughs> I didn't do the good teams Because <laughs> I remember but, being very curious where, who was going to end up as number one on your, your power rankings, I guess. Because I assumed we, it was either going to be, I think I was assuming it was going to be the Lakers. I guess it was going to be it was going to be Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what? And I think what happened. I think around that time, I wrote that like four thousand word piece on Kyrie Irving, and I was like, you know, what? this is enough. This is enough <laughs> NBA content. Like, I don't, I don't need to write another two thousand word NBA preview on top of 
the Kyrie stuff and, and, and especially, you know, sports, sports stuff, which I, I enjoy writing and whatever. That just, that's of all like the, the, I guess the topics, the larger topics that probably traditionally performs the worst for us is, is sports related, you know, sports related uh, stuff. And so that Kyrie piece traveled though. The Kyrie piece did. The Kyrie piece did. It was did, a very good well. piece. It did very yeah, the well. The Kyrie piece did well. But traditionally, when we do sports stuff, when I do sports stuff, it just, you know, in terms of the traffic, in terms of like the the legs, whatever, just doesn't seem to have the same legs as other topics that we do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, and that, you know, we, we started talking about right. this, and I guess that's why you asked me to be here. But, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why, you know, this move to leave um, have been coming. I mean, and again, we've been talking about this for a couple of months, but we've actually been talking about this, like, in a, not specifically, but in like a larger context for at least a year in right. terms of, you know, the day coming where I just didn't, right. I just wasn't feeling it the same way. And, the day coming when I would, you know, probably, probably leave. Yeah. And a part of that, you know, a part of that, you know, to be honest is burnout where, you know, I have been, we have been, you know, we've been doing this for 13 years. Um, and, uh, the sort of, the sort of blogging, the reactive stuff, the, we have quotas, you know, that are, that are in our job descriptions at, at the root. We have quotas in terms of how many pieces we're supposed to write per week and whatever. And in order to hit those quotas for me, I have to write about a lot of like the, the crazy shit that happens in the news and the traumatic shit and, you know, whatever. And sometimes I come up with my own, you know, tongue in cheek, terrible, ridiculous, absurd takes on it. But then there's also times where I'm, writing just a straight, you know, sober piece about white supremacy or about, right. Or about violence or about racism or about whatever. And I just, I didn't, it, I, I just did not feel like the act of me writing about that was worth the re-traumatization of having to think about that stuff anymore. I think I just reached a point of diminishing returns where like the, the value of the pieces that I was writing just didn't match the, the, the feelings that I would have to rethink about and re go through while I'm actually writing the piece. Right. You know, and it just, it, it got to a point where it's like, yeah, I just, I just don't, I just don't want to do this after, after having done it 2000 times, you know, or, or whatever. I just don't want to continue to do this. And now you, you know, one difference, you know, with, with, with us is that, you know, you in, in order, you know, for me to get to my quota, I would write a lot of, a lot about shit that's happened in news, race stuff, you know, whatever. And for you, you were writing about like really esoteric, sometimes music stuff, black stuff, you know, right. and that, that was the thing that you did. And, and so, and there's a lot more space for, I don't know, space for breathing, space for joy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I that, made a conscious effort. We talked about yeah, that. And that was I, a I made a conscious effort, effort to, to stay mm-hmm. out of the black pain space and just literally go the black 
celebration joy route for the most part. Like you, you yeah. use the word esoteric, and I think that's absolutely right. And that's it's a peace of mind thing for me. Yeah, yeah, and and I, and I and I and I get it, and and so a big part of me, you know, separating um, or or whatever now is is due to that, and it's like, well, if and it's like if I do want to write a thing about that topic, maybe now I want to sit sit down, sit with it, and instead of writing a five hundred word thing, maybe I'll write a two thousand word thing, right? You know. But it, but it, but the thing is, I'll do that thing without having to think about okay, well, what am I going to write today? What am I going to write tomorrow? What what right. do I have to what do I have to react to <laughs> right. in the news that's happening? Today well, I'm thinking about tomorrow. this big thing. What's all this yeah. other stuff I gotta I gotta knock out for the sake of it? Yeah, and and so so that was a part of it. Um, an, another part too um, that I didn't really express as much in the piece that I wrote. Is that I don't know really how to say this without sounding extremely arrogant <laughs> by saying it, but fire I'm away well anyway. <laughs> is is that I feel like I have gone as far as I could go with that five hundred to seven hundred word reaction sort of piece. Like I, I, I think no, no, that, that makes sense though. Yeah, I. I I think that I, if I'm not the best, I was one of them doing it, you know, and that, that, that's just a thing that just comes yeah, from I think just doing it. I think that's perfectly fair to say. From, <laughs> I think from that's doing it fair to say, over yeah. and over and over and over again, you just develop that muscle, <clears throat> develop that mm-hmm. muscle memory or whatever. And, and it's like, well, I feel like I have, I'm as good at doing this as I want to be. Like perhaps like perhaps there's space to get and there's always space to get better, but I'm just not as interested in getting better at that anymore. At getting better at this particular form of writing, this particular form of content. It's like I think we talked about this the other day. You know, it's like if you're a ninety percent foul shooter. You know, maybe you could continue to work and be a ninety five percent foul shooter, but at that but at that point, I mean, is the is the effort to get from ninety to ninety five right. worth? Like it's the it's the it's the it's the rea- it's the output or the the I don't know the what, what whatever benefit is the benefit worth the work that it would take to get that five percent percentage points better at that point you know and um and and to me with this it just it just got to a point where it's like yeah I I feel like I I've written about these things in pretty much any way that they could be written. You know, and so, but I, but I also recognize that there are, there's a lot more room, to, there's a lot more room for growth in longer essays and books um, and things of that nature. And instead of spending as much bandwidth with this, what I'm doing right now, I want to devote that to these other spaces where I still need to grow considerably in order to get to where you know, I, I want to get as a, as a writer, as a, as a professional. And even in the podcasting space where, you know, I'm a, I'm a novice at that and I'm learning things about, you know, the podcast that I'm doing with Crooked Media re- requires a lot of writing and right. um, I'm learning also how to write in a way that is heard 
in the way I wanted to be heard. And that involves certain word choices that involve certain rhythms. You know, I know that I struggle saying certain words. Sometimes my tongue gets heavy. I get like, I get like juicy mouth or whatever. So it's like, you know what? If I know that this word gives me juicy mouth, instead of writing it and trying to struggle and having to struggle with it and having to, you know, recut it like three or four times until I get it right, why not just choose a different word that I know that I could say much easier and then, you know, you just flow from that. So, so again, that's another, I guess, form of, of, of content creation or writing, whatever content creation, I sound like a bot. Um, that is what it I is. have a, that I have a room that I have a large, you know, room to improve in. And so I just thought that, you know what, even though, even though I, I still, VSB will always be my home and I still love VSB. I just, I felt like now was the time to kind of, you know, rip that bandaid and be like, you know what? I, if I, if I am going to get to where I want to go with these other forms of writing, I can't be spending this much time every week thinking about this other form of writing and creating this stuff where I don't have as much investment and interest anymore. Yeah. No, that makes, I mean, and as you said, well, one, it makes sense Two, as you said, we'd been talking about this for quite some time now, actually, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that's come up between us personally, just when these new projects and things and, and, you know, I've, I've been privy to a lot of information about lots of things that are going on in your life, you know, specific opportunities and things. And I remember asking you at some point, probably several times, like, do you even have time to, with all the things that you have going on to continue doing this? You know, like, is this the thing that is going to have to end up taking a backseat? Like, when is the right time for you to make that move? You know, we've been, we've been talking about that. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if there's ever a right time to do it. It just ends up being the time to do it. Mm -hmm. And even as we've been talking about this for the past couple of months, you mentioned this earlier, you know, last week. I know it was weird for you. I had a lot of anxiety last week. I didn't even write anything last week aside from whatever I did for the podcast, but because I couldn't, you know, I, I, I was literally thinking about Friday every day, like getting to that point, because even though it's just, a, it, even though I know like we're, listen, you and I are going to be doing this forever. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this conversation that we're having now is like every phone conversation we have where it veers off mm-hmm. into a million different things. And I can't, you know, I, we, we had a conversation a couple weeks ago, maybe last week about BET uncut where I was like, yo, this is a podcast episode. We literally could have recorded this and it would have been amazing. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, so we're going to be doing this, but it's something interesting and different to now feel like I'm in this space with this whole ship that we've built, you know, kind of directing it now. But also because there is a legacy that I think that we've all built, you, I, you know, me, you and Liz, you know, because and I mentioned in the piece, like her DNA is still a part of this as well. You know, making mm-hmm. sure that people still want to put VSB on their resumes. Right. Like you, like making sure that, you know, next year people are still like, yeah, I was, a, you know, co-founder of VSB. People don't drop that off their Instagram mm-hmm. IGs. You know what I mean? So thinking about my own future in that has been overwhelming to some degree because it's a big responsibility. Now I feel somewhat fortunate in that you mentioned this earlier too. You were almost 
if not were, indistinguishable from VSB at some point. Like Damon Young is VSB, VSB is Damon Young. I've always kind of had my own little brand on the side of things that I do. Like there's a Panama Jackson way that I've often do things. Like people reach out to me just as Panama Jackson, who's part of VSB kind of thing, which has given me a little bit of freedom. And like you, and and because of that, like me veering into my music commentary and pop culture stuff, largely the things that bring me joy has opened up lanes for me in different ways. And, you know, obviously that's going to be the kind of stuff that I I look to do more of at VSB now just because those are the things that I'm most invested in. But, you know, it was it was it's been interesting on Sunday yesterday. As a matter of fact, I had one of those one of those movie moments <laughs> where I was driving to CVS and I'm driving there. I'm at a stop sign and I'm looking out in front of me and I'm like, damn, Damon's not there no more. Like oh shit! Like it's it was it was this weird. It's a weird feeling. That is a movie. That is a movie moment. It was. I actually said that, that to is, myself that after I had that moment. moment. I was yeah. like, damn! I really just had like a movie moment where I'm having some realization or some like some moment of release where you're thinking about something and and what it really means in the universe and all that. And you know, obviously, I'll be doing that over time anyway. But um, you know, it's a it's an interesting feeling now like i jokingly sent everybody that look at me look at me i'm the captain now thing because everybody keeps people keep asking me so what does that mean for vsb and it was just the first thing i thought of and it's funny right it's Mm -hmm. a funny thing but thinking of ways to continue on with this brand that we've built and make sure that the legacy is intact even though i think our legacy is fine but making sure that i don't do damage to it and also thinking of new ways to keep myself invested and interested when I don't have another person to bounce all these ideas out. Like when it's when it's you and I making these decisions and going forward, like what are we going to do here? But now, you know, I kind of have a have a freedom to decide where we're going to go with this, but making sure that I keep it in line with our values and principles and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been interesting to think about. Like I've I spent a lot more time thinking about my connection to vsb and what that means and how that looks and what that looks like than i probably ever have maybe not just the last week the last couple weeks or whatever so that's been interesting and um yeah it's 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 been i've been more anxious about it than i realized i wrote in a post how when when we were having a conversation on gchat when your when your post on friday went live Mm -hmm. and i literally was like oh shit it's live like I, you know, I was like, "Oh, it's live," and then I, like, we stopped talking for a second. Like I just kind of sat there looking at it, like, "Damn, that's it." People know now. That's the thing, you know. And and that's a weird experience. It's an interesting experience, uh, but that means something, I guess, because the fact that something I was a part of that we built could be that emotion. I could be that emotionally invested in it. Like I like that, and I like that I care. And I like that it impacted me that way because it lets me know that we did something good, something that the change of it all hits me that way. Yeah, so. I mean, and, and, and there, there's that. And, and, and also there's, there's the whole thing that when the thing becomes public, then it, it's almost like it becomes real. Yeah, um, once, once, definitely. Once everybody finds out about it and learns about it and people are reacting to it and, you know, people, you know, I... In the last few days, um, I guess I, I wrote the post on Friday and recording this on the Monday night. And there's been, you know, a lot of love, a lot of like 
and not just for me, but for, for us, for VSB, for, you know, there are people who, again, got their, got their careers started in the comment section and then writing for Absolutely. VSB. There's people who killing the game these days. Yeah, yeah. People, you know, who had relations, you know, met their friends, met their homies, like people who are like literally their best friends now. Like there are people who, there are people I know online who are connected, who are connected, you know, through like one of our satellite, like who were connected through like one of the satellite sites. <laughs> okay. And don't even really realize that the only reason they know each other is because of VSB. Um, and so there are, you, you see some of that shit out there too. Um, and, and again, that was, that was just really, um, I guess, uh, just, just really touching <laughs> to be able to see that and, and see, you know, people come, people, you know, responding and reacting or whatever. Um, we did a good you know, thing. We did good work. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still, and, and maybe you've had these thoughts with yourself too. I'm trying to think of what the most appropriate VSB tattoo would be. I've thought about that because, all right. So you have our lo- you have our logo, and that's cool. We have the old logo. Um, like how big would I want it to be? Would I just want the words VSB? Would I just want very smart brothers written out somewhere? Um, like how would it look? Where would it be? The logo this is, is good. A thought- Huh? The logo is good. I've thought about that. Like the lo- like putting the logo like on my forearm, the same place I like I have I have a tattoo of inshallah in in uh Arabic on one arm and I thought about putting the VSB logo on in the other arm. Um It's a good logo. Like like Honey did her thing with that. It's a yeah. you know, and it looks good on paper, it looks good in figurehead, like it's very it's it's well done. So I have thought about a VSB tattoo several times. You know where I'm just thinking, like right now, if I get one, maybe I'll get it on my hand. Okay, I right. get, I could do the hand tat. Is it you are an artist, an artiste? <laughs> I mean, you know, I have thought about tattoos on my, you know, that little um, Basquiat crown. I thought about putting that on my hand at one point, uh-huh. not like in a huge place, but like just like right between my thumb and my my pointer finger, mm-hmm. like that little space right there. But then I was like. That's a weird place. Like, why why do I want to put a tattoo on my hand? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm enough of an artist to never ever have to show up someplace and you know and get a regular job ever again. I like to assume that I don't. Yeah, but if you do, would you want to work somewhere that would you know not hire you because of your hand tats? Yeah, places that don't probably pay more. <laughs> this is my guess. Outside of the art, outside of the arts community. I mean, I I feel like the tattoo thing. Like, I I just. You know, it. This is all, all praise due to Alan Iverson because he is he is the person. He's he the, like he he gets, he gets credit for a lot of things, but doesn't get enough credit for making tattoos ubiquitous. Because twenty years ago, every, everyone is tatted up. Everyone has tattoos. Everybody, now, you tattoos know, and are twenty years ago, it was still somewhat of a, not taboo, but like, oh, you're a badass. Or, it was a rebel you know, thing. You're, you're something. Yeah, you're radical. If you had, if you had like multiple tattoos and now you just presume that people that if you don't see them on somebody that they that they have that you take their shirt off and they're there so right so yeah it's um and iverson did that alan iverson more than anybody else is the person who made tattoos ubiquitous and he doesn't get enough credit for that 
You know, the one thing I thought about with like using our VSB logo as a tattoo is the sheer amount of shading they would have to do with that thing. Yeah, because of the way it's like that's a yeah. that's a lot it's of shit. It's gonna be it's gonna be a painful tattoo. It's wherever you get that tattoo, it's it is painful. gonna be a thing. Mm-hmm. It is gonna you're gonna feel that one. So I've been I have thought about that because I think that's what I'm probably gonna end up doing. The question is where, but that's I think the hands are good. I think the hand I think it's a natural place. You no, know, you do sides. that. You let me know how the hand tat goes. <laughs> I'll probably stick to a more conventional space or less less hand space. You know, I'm 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 not sure I'm on the hand thing yet, but I mean the neck. Yeah, I'm out on that altogether. You're out on neck completely. Yeah, I can't see myself with a neck tattoo. I just really can't, especially or, not the VSB tattoo on my neck. Or what if you know, not necessarily just a neck tap, but one of those tattoos that like maybe starts on your chest and kind of stretches up, so that you get like a peak of it, like around here. I think the VSB would be a bad tap for that. Like I don't I, no, even I know agree. what the oh, I unle- unless be bad for that. unless you know how how LeBron has the like established 1984 like the the letter the uh, cursive letters whatever mm-hmm. you could do that like put put VSB and cursive letters around like the collarbone kind of thing and, and around the neck yeah that's it's a bit that's, on the nose a bit much but you know that, that feels I, I feel like those established tattoos I feel like you need to either be a professional athlete or professional criminal. Um, that they get the established tattoos, and I'm well, just I think not... any tattoo where you have to take clothes off for people to see it, like that's the problem with tattoos. Now, like I'm not the kind of person that's going to be on television running around, so I'm getting these tattoos for other people. So they got to be in places <laughs> where you're, more, you know, where you're more likely to see it than you aren't. So I got to find, you know, I got to. There's not a ton of real estate here that I can work with, but the neck, the neck, uh, cheeks. Top of the head, all that stuff is out. So yeah, pretty face, much face, faces, faces for faces where the radicals get tattoos now. If you're if you're a true radical, then you're getting face somewhere on your face now. The face, the face, the 2021 face is the 1999 forearm. Basically, yes, I, I agree with you. Wait, and you have your you have your book tatted on. That's on your left, right arm. Yeah, it's a book tat. Okay, I don't know. Y'all can yeah. see that. Well, they can't see it. This is audio. It's oh, this is audio. audio. Yeah, it's just also, <laughs> they can't see that at all. But you know, I thought I you were doing one of the, you know, not just the audio, the uh, the what you call, you know, the video thing mm-hmm. too. Well, so what I found out with doing video podcasts is that a lot of people don't want to do that without <laughs> like getting fully dolled up and ready for it and stuff uh-huh. like that. So most people. Like, I'll just show up however, you know what I mean? Most people ain't really doing that yet. So, um, wait, you, and, and this is going to time step this too, you did Mark Lamont Hill show. Yeah. Right? And that was live, so you did the live show, right? Uh-huh. I'm assuming it was live. Did you, you went like this? This is how you, this you showed is, up to Mark Lamont Hill? Okay. This is how I dressed, yeah. Should I have dressed up? Is this... Oh, no, no, I think it's perfectly fine. Okay. I was just curious. So, like, when I, you know, when I, when I was on his show recently to talk about his ridiculous takes about Jodeci and verses, um, I set it up differently. So, and I just had my my ear my earbuds in or whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, but this is also you all can't see what Damon has on. But Damon has on his uniform, which is a black or dark shirt, t shirt, you know, and his writer hair. You, know, <laughs> you definitely look like an artist. You could get you could get out you could get away with the tattoo on the hand. I think. I think it literally looked just right with you at this point. It's funny. We were doing, so we were doing a Mark, I was doing a Mark show 
And I had a joke that I was going to get off, but we didn't have time because he he, he had a really nice pinstripe suit. Mm -hmm. But I was going to joke about how he looked like he was about to go catch Dick Tracy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't want to say it because we didn't have time um, on a show. The good um, thing is he would have got that joke. Yeah, I know. He he, he he would have laughed at it too. And so, Mark, if you're listening to this, that that I was going to say that if I had some more time, you know, about you, you, you look like Dick Tracy tonight. I'm sure you'll be back on there. I had I had a lot of fun on his show. Actually, it went really well. Like the his producers hit me up after, talking about how funny it was. Our second, and it was because we were, you know, he he jumped out there with the most ridiculous take ever. Um, yeah, I don't so, I don't know wh- why would he high five like all the groups. Yeah, I don't know why he did that, but it made for great TV. You yeah. know, it was. I didn't know it was coming. Apparently, nobody else knew it was coming. So he just dropped that out there, and it was very mm-hmm. a very authentic moment was had by all. I was going to ask you what's next. I know what's next. And what's next sounds like a very interview question. Well, they don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's true. People don't. Well, what's next? So, you know, well, you mentioned a lot of stuff in the, in the post that you were. Actually, that's what I want to. I want to mention before we do that. Like, you you wrote something in your, your article that I thought was really interesting because I think it kind of summed up what we did with VSB. Like, you mentioned yourself and all the stuff that you did. It was like, I could experiment with form, function, tone, rhythm, punctuation, and construction. I could workshop. I could be corny as fuck. I could fail, as I did many, many, many times. And, you know, when I read that, I was like, damn, I never even thought about how VSB really was a big-ass workshop. There were so many things that we did on this website, and we've done on this website, that mm-hmm. wouldn't fly anywhere else. Like, from the, the articles that people submitted to us, the way that we did things... For the first year plus of writing, I don't think you used a capital letter. You know what I'm saying? Like probably the first three. Like I don't know why that was my thing. I don't that know was either. Dumb. It was dumb, but it was your th- it was your signature. You know what I mean? And and it was in a time when I think we were somewhat indistinguishable from one another for a lot of people. When people were were coming to know mm-hmm. who we were, and maybe that was part of it. I don't know, but it was like there were so many. There are things, there's a reason why so many people came to VSB to try to write pieces they couldn't write anywhere else. Because that happened a lot. A lot of people, a lot of very prominent writers that, that, that we all know, and, and especially in the, the blackest sphere, would reach out to us like, yo, I would love to do the, put this piece on VSB. This is my black, this is my black piece. You know, this is the stuff I really want to say. <laughs> this is what I really want to say. I can't do that anywhere else. But but here, this is where I really want to do this. I want to do this stuff, you know, where nobody's policing voice. Nobody's policing tone. You know, nobody's saying this. What the fuck is this? Like, well, that you know. that that last part about the what the fuck is this is also crucial because, yeah, yeah we could write whatever we wanted to write, you know, um, and, you know, take chances experiment with form and function whatever but we also had an audience that got it yes All right and so and i think that you know for those writers who looked at us as like an attractive destination that was part of the appeal is an audience that would that they wouldn't have to explain shit to that would understand what they were trying to do and that would you know and that would also um love hard <laughs> right yeah. if, if you didn't come correct you know the comments in vsb will let you know immediately you know and this is and this is a thing that kind of you know i guess twitter serves as that function you know because sites don't really have websites you know the comment sections aren't the same sort of communities that they were 
right. you know, back when we were, you know, back in like the heydays of blogging or whatever. So Twitter kind of serves as that mechanism where people are able to, you know, get criticized in real time and have conversations about the things you wrote on Twitter. But before that, that existed exclusively on VSB, well, not exclusively, but that existed on VSB. Right. Um, and, and, and again, for, for someone who it's, it's almost like, it's almost like hooping up Rucker Park, right? Where you, you know, you, every ball player wants wants to go there, wants to play, and it's right. not just because of the, the 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 actual game on the court. It's that you're in front of a crowd that knows basketball, right? And that's going to appreciate it. And yeah, also, if you fuck yep. up, it's going to let you know that too. And so we, I, I feel like I, it's crazy. I never really thought of that analogy until literally just now, but we were kind of the Rucker Park for, for, for black, you know, for black creators, for black writers, um, for, and for, for good and, and, and for bad reasons. Yeah, too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but, but yeah, and that, that's, that sort of real time feedback from people who are pre, who know what you're trying to do. And so when you when you get the criticism, it's not coming from a place of yeah I don't get it. It's coming from a place of yeah I get it, but you just didn't do it right. Right. You know, yeah. and that and, and again for any writer who who sincerely wants to improve and sincerely wants to get better, that is the best. That that that's the sort of feedback that you wish for. That's the yeah, sort of is. audience that you wish for. Is you, all, all the only thing that you want. And okay, so last weekend. I um I went to a birthday Britain Britain mock his uh his son he had a two year old birthday party for his son and uh, Disha Filial was there and you know Disha's book um the Secret Lives of uh, Church Late has like won all types of awards and right. it's done all over the place. well whatever and I you know this is the first time we actually saw each other in person in in you know a year year you know since the beginning of the pandemic and I told her you know like I just wanted to say this to you in person is that I really I really love you know, yeah, the laws that your book is getting is great, and that that's awesome. But I love that people are taking your book seriously, and that are and that are reading it seriously, and that are giving it the sort of care and the sort of attention that you put into it while you were writing it. And for any writer, that that's all that you can ask for is that people take your work seriously. You know, whether they buy it, yeah, you want them to buy it, and you want them to appreciate it, you want them to love it. But more than any of that, you want them to actually, you know what, put as much effort into reading it and thinking about it as you put into writing it. And that's a thing that the VSB comment section had, you right. know, and it's one of the things that made us so attractive to to people who, you know, didn't, you know, who, who might have had, you know, these names where they had written on more traditional or larger publications. And also for a long time, when you wrote for VSB, you're writing for free. Yeah, you know, this was so the, so they was, were willing it and the, just and again getting back to the Rucker Park analogy where you you know you're not getting paid to play in a, in the EBC tournament you are you know you're you're there and you and and you get paid this is one of the few times when people say you're getting paid in clout where it actually <laughs> it, it actually was a viable um you know quantity or a viable entity and 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 yeah so that's. That's definitely a thing that we, you know, that we created and, you know, that that sort of real time workshopping that we were able to do with each other and also with that whole community, you know, helped us get, you know, help us get here. 
Yeah. We don't get here without that. Yeah. You know what I really wish that I had? I wish that I had kept track of every person that's written for VSB. Because the the I, it's got to be in, I don't know. It's got to be like at least 100 people that have written for VSB. I could be making that up, but it's definitely a huge number, and it's a it's a it's a list of people of 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 the somebodies of the of the writing world. Like, there's a ton of people who have written in for VSB in some way, shape, or form, one-off pieces. Hundred might be a, might be a reach. I'm that's, thinking that's maybe about fifty or sixty. I'm, I'm thinking about probably, probably fifty or sixty. Um, that's I mean that's still a lot of different bylines. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of um, bylines. A lot of different bylines, and, and you know, and we have people who weren't writers who who wrote things, you know, like you know, uh, our 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 mutual friend Marguerite, you know, has uh, I think it's written things before, you know, for the site about her science stuff or, <laughs> or whatever, and you know, other people like that who have who have done things like that where they've they're not traditional writers, but they have this really interesting take on something that they know a lot about on a subject they know a lot about and it's like you know there's no other space for something like this so let me let me put them on vsb and yeah. you know we we take it we punch it up with some edits or whatever and boom and yeah, boom all right so what's so the typical ending interview <laughs> ending interview. so so what is what is it? i know what's next for me i'll be on vsb doing doing the vsb thug thizzle but you know what what do you what's What's your most immediate thing that you have coming up? I mean, because you mentioned we started off this whole conversation talking about a YA book you're working on. Yeah. But you do, you know, when one of the things that you mentioned in the piece that you wrote, but that everybody knows you have, you have a book deal. So you're still, you still, you know, the, the your first book, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker, um, came out in 2019, March 2019. Yeah, 2019, yeah. March 2019, so... You know where 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 is Damon Young going from here? How is he going to kill time now that he has more of it? Um, so there's a podcast that I'm that I'm working on too. This is a thing that's been in the works for about a year with uh, Crooked Media, and the reason why it's been a year is because it's actually changed um, in terms of the format. Where before it was more of a straight interview type of show, a type of format, but now it um it it's a thing that involves more scripted um parts like a scripted intro a scripted, a scripted outro skits um and interviews <laughs> and so putting that all together um so i've been working on that um there's three three book projects that that are that are that are i guess in the in the atmosphere right now um there's the ya book which will take place um which will be you know my first i guess fiction book and it'll be about a high school kid um in 10th grade and some of the trials and tribulations that are you know happening in his life um there's a humor anthology that i'm working on um black humor anthology where i'll be primarily editing and curating and the the premise of that is that black american humor is the best american humor and so i'll have a bunch of pieces that are funny and that are basically just driving that point home and and so what my deal my current deal with uh with, with harper collins two book deal, two essay books. And so the second essay book, um, I'm thinking that that money is going to be the primary focus of that. Um, you know, just, the there's all the things that that money does to people, you know, and, and things that it's done to me, it's been like this, this validator, also this sort of shame, 
um, you know, all the things that I, things that I do, things that I've done, that, that money has dictated, um, you know, people, relationships, um, you know, how money can be toxic and how that toxicity kind of, you know, infiltrates your, your fucking nervous system. And so, right. That's a thing I'm, I'm, I've been really interested in. And also money and, and its connection to validation and validation's connection in, in American context with whiteness. Um, you know, so I, I have, there's, an, there's, you know, funny, we talked about Kanye earlier. There is an essay about Kanye that I have wanted to write about how validation, about this thirst for white validation has um, made him who he is today. Um, and and how that thirst isn't new. Right. How that's a thing that has been current throughout his career. And it's just anyway. So those are the three book projects and then the, the podcast thing. So that's that's what's that's what's going on with me. Yeah. I mean that's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. And I know everybody will be looking forward to those things. I am I'm very interested to see your brain working on a fiction a YA fiction book. You've let me read some things. I don't know if it's, I don't know. I think, I don't know what it is. You let me read something that was about for that book. And I think it was mm-hmm. maybe a chapter, a small chapter, like mm-hmm. an idea that you have for a chapter, something like that. And it was, I was like, okay, so this is, this is Damon, Damon working out the, working out the, the, the YA legs on this one. I like that. So it will be interesting to see where that, where that all goes, but you know, yeah, I'm, 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 it's a, you know, obviously it's a much, it's, it's a form of writing that I am a novice in, you know, and yeah, there's some, there are some ways that the talents or whatever that I have with essay writing and with nonfiction writing and with humor writing, you know, translate um, over to what I'm, what I'm trying to do with this, but there's a certain, there's a rhythm, there's a language to, um, there are beat points um, there are tropes that, that, that you have to nail down, <laughs> um, cause it, it's really formulaic, but the, but you know, you could branch off in so many different ways once you get the formula down, but the formula, you need to have it. You, you need to have the formula. And one of the reasons why I'm watching all of these teen movies now is because they all have these formulas. Right. And once you watch enough of them and, and you see what you're looking for, you can start to see like the formulas, the beats, you know the conflicts. Um, also, all of these team movies have a have a clock, right? There's a, there's some sort of thing that is happening. Like there's a big dance, or with the Breakfast oh, Club, yeah. there's yep. you know they have to they all have to complete this task where they have to write this essay by five o'clock. Um, so if you just think of all the team movies, there's always something that all of the momentum is moving towards. You know, and once it gets to that point, then you have this collision with all the main characters and you put them all in different rooms and it, well, different, you know, different situations, different circumstances. Like, okay, you have this one kid interacts with this other kid that would have never, the, the interaction probably would never happen in real life, but it needs to happen in, 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 in the um, story. But anyway, that's, I'm going to, you know. Now. Every time we talk about this, I get another idea because black teens and in, in teen movies ain't really teenagers. There's no there's no main event happening. They're just trying to live. They literally the movies are about survival. Okay, well, and then, well, some, well, let's and go, then let's somebody dies. It. Let's go through it. I mean, because we were talking about this, you know, the black 
Black this is a good way to bring it violent home. and lots of death. Look, Boys in the Hood is a <laughs> Boys in the Hood is a teen movie, right? Everybody's okay. supposed to be a teenager in Boys in the Hood. And the thing they're moving towards is graduation. Okay. That that that's that's a very real point. And decisions are gonna have to be made in terms of Ricky, where's he gonna go to school? Where's Trey gonna go to school? Where Brand that that's a very real part of that movie. Okay. That's where that All momentum right. is moving towards. Okay, trying to get try they're, okay, they're trying to trying to get to graduation and which they they don't actually get to cuz I feel like I wrote a I wrote an well, article. I mean Ricky we, yeah. Ricky does Ricky doesn't get there. <laughs> Ricky does not get there. Ricky does not make it to graduation. <laughs> I wrote about this though. This this would have been perfect for that VSB ruins whatever cuz I wrote about how the timeline in this movie doesn't work because these niggas literally take the SAT like on a Saturday morning and then get the res- get the get the the results back on that Sunday the ne- the next day yeah that Sunday afternoon back in the time when it took like six weeks to get your your mm-hmm. SAT results back and I wonder if I wonder if John Singleton was just like guys there's no way we can make this work there's no way we can fix this like. They take the test. They go to Crenshaw. They get in a fight. The next day, they come for them. We can't make them wait six weeks to get revenge on this. Like by that point, everybody would be dead. There's no. There's we gotta we gotta speed this timeline. But like, I wonder if those what that decision was like in that writers' room when they're like, guys, we we well, just gotta we gotta make this. We gotta do it. Th- that's that's the, the postman the is gonna deliver on Sunday. <laughs> that's the thing with the timeline is that you 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 know when you are the writer you are you know you're God basically and you can make the timeline whichever way you want it to be and people for the most part you know I mean we're we're sitting here 25 years later questioning the timeline you know of of events you know and there are parts of there are parts of like above the rim you know 25 years later it's like okay Kyle Watson. And I actually remember thinking this at, at the time, too. But Kyle Watson, you know, is so thirsty to get this letter from Georgetown. Okay. That, that's, 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 the whole movie is about him right. getting recruited by Georgetown. As if Georgetown was the only school that was recruiting him. Like, if, if, at that point in time, Georgetown was one of the top five programs in the country. So, if Georgetown is offering a scholarship, that means 200 other schools in the country have offered him scholarships but the way the movie was constructed it was like either georgetown's offering him or he's going to be in the streets right (laughs) he's going to be in a grave with nutso if he doesn't get a letter from georgetown right and and again that's just one of the things where you create the movie you could you could create this world where those sorts of things doesn't matter and you know in boys in the hood where they have the sat and they get the results back in three hours um, you know, that, 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 that could just be that world. All right. So know? what about Menace to Society? What's the event in Menace to Society? I had to see it again. All right. Because that movie, they, at the end of, there's a point in the movie where there's this decision for Kane to move with Ronnie to Atlanta. And that's the goal to, to leave LA and go. And he never, obviously never makes it right. He gets shot because he got some, he got, some girl pregnant and then the dude that kills everybody in every movie he's in shows up and then you know they they you know they 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 kill him so he doesn't make it well menace menace maybe doesn't have one because you think of menace and menace was radical just how violent it was but also because it kind of 
you know, there's the whole thing about creating movies and, and creating any type of literature or whatever, where to, if, if a person's narrating, that means that they survive to tell the story. And yeah. in Menace, the narrator dies. You know, and that, that is a shock. I remember the first time I saw it, I was, you know, what, we were, what, 11, 12 when that movie came out? Yeah, 13 like and Maybe 13, yep. And, and him dying, because even, even if you don't recognize these tropes, if you're at that age, you've already seen enough movies where you just know, you know the rhythms of movies, you know the rhythms of storytelling. And so you, you, you expect other people to die, but you don't expect the person whose voice you're hearing throughout the whole movie to actually die too. And I, I feel like that was the first time that I'd seen that in a movie. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't think of another time where the narrator, a movie that I saw at that age where the narrator dies at the end. It's interesting because Boys in the Hood was very sad. I remember seeing Boys in the Hood in the theater and everybody was moved by Ricky's death. Like mm. Ricky's death is still a very moving death. Kane's death wasn't very moving. It just kind of seemed predetermined. Like this was just how this was going to end. Like mm-hmm. nobody, nobody in this movie was happy. Like every, there's, there are no happy people in Menace's society, right? But I, I still remember being jarred by that, like, damn, like, the way he died, because he was trying to save the little boy, he was trying to save mm-hmm. Anthony, you know, and he did, but just, like, man, he had he had a future, but then he's narrating it at the same time. But the thing that I remember most is that how awesome the song Straight Up Menace is when it comes in, they start playing it. Oh, yo, that shit was beautiful. That was so well constructed. That's like the perfect DJ set, right? Like they just it bleeds into. But now it's too late. <laughs> Yo, I still remember hearing that in the theater. Like, wow, like that is the perfect mm-hmm. exit song to go out on. That was a great. I, that was a great soundtrack. I saw that movie in Boardman, Ohio. I was hanging out in Newcastle, either in Newcastle, PA, or in Youngstown, Ohio, with a bunch of my cousins. And we decided to drive to Boardman, to the movie theaters in Boardman, to watch Menace. There were, we probably went like 12 or 13 deep. And I remember leaving that theater and like I, I, I felt like I, I've never left a theater in more shock. Like where I felt numb. Like, holy shit, what did I just experience? What did I just witness? What just happened? Um, you know, the you know, it's funny. The, the movie that, that that Menace reminds me the most of is A Perfect Storm. <laughs> because Wait, is that it, the Mel Gibson movie? That's with, um, not Mel Gibson, but George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg. They're okay. like, they're fishermen in New England. Okay. And they go out and yeah, they get caught in this, this terrible storm and they all die. And I think Mark Wahlberg's character is the narrator. And the movie literally ends with just him floating in the middle of the ocean, basically saying, yeah, I guess this is it. <laughs> Tyler Perry's acrimony also also nails that same thing where Taraji I, I Henson's seen, character. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen acrimony. Listen, I, I can't recommend this movie, but I also recommend <laughs> watching acrimony because okay. I remember it much worse than it was. And it's a bad movie that's not entire. I've. I was doing a podcast about Tyler Perry movies at one point, and I stopped because it's really hard to just watch Tyler Perry movies over and over again. So it really got to be, I felt like it was, it was like toxic Tyler Perryism or something. 
and it was messing with my brain. But I did Acrimony, and I remember that movie so much worse than it actually was, and I rewatched it like with intention for the podcast episode that I did. But when it goes off the rails, it goes off the rails big. And Taraji's character narrates the whole thing, and she also dies at the end. Okay. But she's narrating herself, like, you know, floating up to the top. of. She's also in water. Okay. She dies on a yacht. Well, she dies in a very, very ridiculous way, but still. But, yeah, Menace was Menace was that kind of... There was just nothing... It was just sad. Like, everything is bad in Menace. Like, at least Boys in the Hood had hope. Right? Boys in the Hood had hope. There was... You had a father figure who was trying to make sure that his son was okay. There was... I mean, in Menace, they put his ass out. His grandparents put Kane out. They were like, we can't well, do this shit. I mean, die. Menace, they were, I mean, Doughboy would have been a saint compared to, if, if he, if he compared, Doughboy was a saint compared to the characters, compared to Kane and O-Dog. Like, well, how many murders, maybe. Yeah, how many yeah. murders did O-Dog commit in that movie? How, there's random people that he just shot and killed. At least three that I can think of. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm underselling. He killed the crackhead. He killed the the Korean couple in the store. They definitely killed some people at the burger stand. Um, so that's one, two, that's three. That's at least four, four or it's, five. He at least killed five people in that movie. At yeah. least five that I can remember. And, at least, and, and, and three of them really did nothing. To deserve, you know, getting shot. Whereas Doughboy, well, they, well wait, which three? The the the, oh, the, the crackhead crack didn't deserve and it. And then the 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 Koreans in the store. Well, they feel sorry saying, for his mother. I'm sorry for your mo- saying I'm sorry for your mother. That that deserves death. That's a death sentence. So I think that's why that movie was so jarring more than anything because O Dog was really fucking scary. Like as a person, as a character, and you realize how young he was. Like that really was. When they when they when he's doing the voiceover like O Dog is America's nightmare, young black and doesn't give a fuck kind of thing, and it's like mm-hmm. yeah, that's real. Like he really he care about his homeboys, but it's it's ironic that he's the one of all of them that lives at least through the movie, right? He's going to prison, he's going to mm-hmm. jail, like he's in jail right now. If he's not dead in jail, but he's going to mm-hmm. jail right now. Um, hey, yeah. did you ever read? Did you ever read Monster? Monster yes. Cody? Okay. Yes, I did. Yeah, several times actually. That movie, yeah. that book was a, uh, it's fascinating. Did they? I, I've read, I've read it also a few times. Did they ever make a movie from that? Did anyone ever make a movie from that? I feel like they were supposed to be. That seems like that movie was that book was built to be turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite rap lines was from Murs. I think it was on Murs. My heart's pure like the soul of Sanyika Shakur. Awesome song that he did. What's and that's what Monster Cody Scott, his name, he changed his name mm-hmm. to Sanika Shakur. Um I like I will always remember that line because of that book. Because I was just dumbfounded by the things that are in that book. Yeah. So if it I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened with that, but but yeah. Um but yeah, I don't know what the event was. We'll do one more. Let's see. I want to know what the event is in Juice, which is a teen movie, but this gets to my point. These kids seem way older than they actually... They, they seem way older well, than I white mean, kids in teen movies. We, 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 can we talk about Juice without talking about the statutory <laughs> statutory um <laughs> relationship in Juice? Oh, between, where uh, uh, Omar Epps is like and Vogue 15 and, Omar and dating yeah. like a 29-year-old. And it didn't even seem odd at the time it, in the movie. It, 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 it didn't, didn't seem, seem odd, odd at, all. at the time. No one, no one asked what was happening, why this grown-ass woman 
was into this 16 year old um this 16 year old dj um you know no one no one asked no one cared it's just that's just that's just that's just what happened yeah, black um, teens seem way older than white teens i think it's yeah. the, that's the that's the that's the what black teens in movies seem way older than white teens in movies is the title of that article <laughs> i have to see i gotta see juice again i i gotta see juice again to um you know to think of what the what the event is in juice or the, right. the the clock or whatever i have to see it again all right we'll pick another one then what's what's another what's another black teen movie then You mentioned dope. You mentioned probably haven't seen New Jersey Drive in probably twenty years. I haven't seen that movie in years. Best thing oh. about that movie was the soundtrack. Um, the Wood is is a happy movie, and they're on the way to the wedding. Well, the the wedding is the adults though. The teens are just living, and it's a flashback movie, so it's probably it doesn't really count. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, th- I think boy, I think the Boys in the Hood and Menace are, are good enough for that. But yeah, I you're mean, right. There's even, something, yeah. even if we don't. Just limited to team movies. I mean, just think of the best man. You have the wedding. You know, that's that's the thing that right. everything's building towards. Um, you know, you have um, Brown Sugar. Um, you know, an- another my wedding. favorite black movie. Um, that's your favorite black movie, Brown Sugar. I love Brown Sugar. Okay, I love everything about that movie. You know, he got game. There's a timeline. You know where you know um, Moses has to get Jesus to sign off on a thing before like a certain date. Um. You know, um, do the right thing. Um, yeah, the lead up is, to the, uh, you know, uh, it's basically just a day, a day it's of like tension, just a yep. day of tension, and so the hottest day of the year. Yeah, and all the that t- that yeah. movie is cr- like watching that movie again and just all. You if know, he doesn't I, make Malcolm X do the right thing, is his magnum opus. I, I I think that Spike, even though we all recognize that it's not an iconic movie, but that movie has so much shit and so many people. And so many amazing performances in it. Like I just, it's it's one of those movies where it it, you know, there's some things that kind of age a little weirdly um, with that movie. But just in terms of just how you feel while watching it, like that that remains unchanged. And we should wrap. We should we should start to wrap this up now because we've been on for two hours and it's been a fun two hours. Good combo. Again, this is we we literally could do this for hours. Um, and we'll do this again, of course, because. You know, there'll be a time to talk about whatever's going on. So, um, well, yeah, I wanted to do, I wanted to do this talk in the first place just because the departure is brand new. So we we actually talked about VSV for a little bit in here, and I wanted to talk about that stuff. But I think we hit all the major points. But this is much more entertaining than I ant- anticipated it being because you started out with with white teen movies, and well, this went where it went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. You know, um, appreciate you. You know, we'll be doing this again soon or of course. soonish. You know, well, everybody who listens to this obviously be keeping up with everything you're doing, as will I. But you know, I will just talk to you later. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, thanks for all of the all of the wonderful wonderful pieces and everything that you have, the community that you have built, and all that, that, that all we that we built. have done that we that, built. Well, yes. We built. Yeah, but you know you're my guest on, on my podcast here, so. Oh well, well, yeah, you're yeah. right. Okay, every thank you for acknowledging everything that I did. There you go, there you go. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening. The longest episode of Past the Peas thus far, <laughs> probably the longest episode that will ever exist, unless Damon and I get back on here again. 
and then go for three hours because it is possible if we start with one of these uh one of these ideas but uh as always i'm panama jackson have a black Humble. The people help you up when you stumble, uh, or when you fumble. Boy, I take a fucking bad vibe and I channel it. In this life, I be adamant. You take a hit and be out of it. It's all love, I ain't judging you. But this is universe nudging you. Wake up, boo-boo. Perfect out in public. Broke your win in private. Spiritual world, we got on assignments. Nigga, I'm a hypocrite, but I keep it lit.